I'm your Venus. I'm your fire. Your desire. I don't I don't know the rest of the song. Okay, but that's Roman. And most of what we're doing today is Greek. Yes. But uh, happy hey, Valentine's happy Day. Happy Valentine's Day from your friends at Trashy Divorces, who obviously did not want this most romantic of holidays to go unnoticed by us, the podcast about relationships gone wrong. So, Who believe that if you believe in Valentine's Day, every day is Valentine's Day. So we hope today you're just doing what you normally do. But if you have wine and chocolates, it's fine too mostly we hope you listen to our podcast um we ha- we have a guest coming up we do for the special special bonus but fortunately her name is also alicia so it's really like we don't have a guest except she's way smarter than we are so. she's way smarter she is a uh, phd student in mythology she goes to hogwarts and she came to tell us all about trashy divorces and in, in myth and legend mythology stuff primarily greek it turns out so and there are there are reasons for that which she tells us it's a really fascinating interview like front to back so i'm your aphrodite is not as catchy of a title no but no. it still hasn't gone to to press yet so who yeah. knows what it'll be called happy valentine's day happy y'all. valentine's day uh please enjoy our uh, little trashy divorces and myth and legend mythology uh, stuff episode Follow your bliss. And it's our mythology trashy divorces. I'm so excited. Alicia, thank you for coming today. I'm so excited too. The other Alicia, my other favorite Alicia in the whole world. (laughs) Alicia, you are a PhD student in mythology. Yes, I'm training to be a mythologist. Is it, that's really a field? That's something you can do for a living? That is really a field. Cool. And your face lights up when you talk about it. Like, this is true. legitimately your favorite thing. Yes. And we are so excited to have you here today. We are going to take a little break for, oh, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day. Taking a little detour to uh, yeah, the, the, talk land about of, the land of uh, myth and legendary uh, divorces, I guess. People have been doing wrong with love since the beginning of time, and we're here to tell you about it. Welcome, <laughs> Alicia. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Um, so I, y- you asked me about this um, a couple of, of quarters ago mm-hmm. when I was doing some research, and so I brought some of my books because I kept running into these lovely divorces while, while <laughs> See, I, I planted reading. the seed. You planted the seed. The interesting thing is that I tried to look cross-culturally, mm-hmm. and in reality, mythology serves a lot of purposes, and one of the purposes that it serves is kind of drawing the lines of right and wrong for the society. Mm-hmm. So a lot of mythology is normative, and it's telling people, no, you don't want to get a divorce. So often, divorces aren't mentioned in a lot of different cultures. Like I tried to find something in Hindu, I tried to find some stuff in Asia, and they're just literally not there. And I thought that that was really interesting because it was it, it's culturally reflective. Sure. It's also interesting the, the fact that Norse mythology has a divorce that is just like, yep, <laughs> not trashy at all. It's, yeah, just... <laughs> there's um, a goddess, Skadi, lives, um, it's S-K-A-D-I, lives up in the mountains in the cold, and she's the goddess of skiing. I kid you not, the goddess of skiing. I mean, so you would Norse goddess of skiing. I mean, yes. that makes sense. Okay, <laughs> and she marries Njord, 
Oh, well, sure. And Njord is a god of fishing who is from the southerly regions. Where oh, it's, it's never, they're star-crossed lovers. It's never going to work. It's never going to work. They could never decide where to live. <laughs> they couldn't decide so whether to live in the mountains or like on us. the seashore. New, <laughs> New York or L.A. I mean, this week confront this in other stories. And so they divorced because they could never decide Aww. on a living place. And it was just totally cool. Like, like the whole, like, like, I'm going to stay down here and fish, <laughs> stay up there and ski. Like, and, and the culture is kind of like, yeah, this makes sense. <laughs> like there's no, there's an amicable divorce. And, and Norse culture, um, women were able to amicably divorce the men. Really? Yeah. They, they were, especially if they weren't provided for properly or if they were abused, they could just take off. And so, <laughs> well, the Norse are doing it right. The Norse did it right, which is which was really interesting, which is why I thought it was really cool to find a non-trashy divorce in their mythology. Now, the rest of my myths <laughs> <laughs> are bad. The rest of my myths come from ancient Greece. Uh, yeah, okay. we're notoriously trashy. Who are notoriously trashy, but also the thing about ancient Greece is that the myths, one of the functions of the myths, especially when it was the oral tradition, was entertainment. Mm-hmm. They're deliberately made into soap operas welcome to trashy divorces (laughs) arrived at the right podcast (laughs) do you think that greek myths are trashier than roman i mean i know there's a lot of crossover so roman mythology before the greek synthesis is um primarily ritual based okay and had no stories Ah. the reason why there's crossover is because the romans went Oh look, they have soap operas. I was gonna. They did something <laughs> cooler, right? Yeah. So, so the so Greek mythology is unique in that in that way. Like it, it's it's unique in the fact, first of all, that we have all of it written down. Oh, okay, that's a fair point. Um, in, and we have the tragedies that retell it. We have retellings upon retellings mm-hmm. since the fifth century BC. Mm-hmm. It's also unique in the fact that the culture that is reflected by these stories still echoes in our culture and so it's stuff we relate to and can see and can hear and could go oh yeah i know a dude like that exactly (laughs) i know that guy (laughs) so because because it's so familiar it doesn't feel so outlandish to the soap operas are still fun for us sure these myths are still a blast to read and so the stuff that makes them foreign to us like there's a there's an entire section in in yoruban mythology where one woman tricks another woman into feeding the god her ears what and yeah and um and it grosses him out and he and he he dumps one of his two girls and the whole reason is because she fed him her ears and um that is so bizarre to us culturally that we can't feel it in our hearts and understand it and let go oh yeah that's a trashy divorce like that's just weird yeah now i'm gonna keep my ears on my head (laughs) yeah but i mean yeah to your point though egyptian mythology has a lot of trashy stuff to it not not that far out outside of you know greek mythology Mm -hmm. off the top of my head but yeah it doesn't have that same it doesn't have that same cultural resonance to make it feel and I, i guess like the mayans may have had a super trashy mythology but we don't have it's not written down well the mayans is written down it's it's as written down as the egyptians they dated everything the really cool thing about mayan stuff is that we also have all of the the stuff written down in the places 
like they have like and on this day this happened kind of things right um but they didn't have any divorces i looked oh really ah. okay okay I guess, <laughs> I guess i thought we didn't have a great uh like way to translate my in writing am i wrong on they've, that? they've, un- they've made a they've, breakthrough there's okay. a really good pbs special oh, really? i can turn you on to you awesome. okay. about a year ago about oh. a year ago they really yeah. made some really big break okay well, that's so it's so it's not like this thing's been in play for years and no. i just didn't no. know okay so it's it's re- all right i feel a little better ta-da, ta-da. i was like breaking information yes totally bungled facts but okay yeah no it's all so it's, a, it's recent okay relatively recent cool yeah. okay so, so today we're going back to Ancient Greece. Ancient Greece. Talk to us. Talk to us. Ancient Greece. Well, so we got to start at the top. And okay. You, you got to start with Zeus. I think the <laughs> picture I'm, I think I'm, I stole it from your page that we're going to use for this is the Zeus, literally every other woman turning around. I think that's our cover photo <laughs> for this episode. Be. I okay. think it should be. Oh, Zeus. Oh, Zeus. Oh, Zeus. <laughs> so here's the thing. Um, I told you I've, I've rewritten written a novel that I'm working on the revisions of that's mm-hmm. a retelling. And part of that novel is really uh, – it's it's redeeming Hera because Hera gets a really bad rap. She does. She is essentially – so, like, I don't know if you guys remember 80s, uh, 80s soap operas. She's, like, the Erica Kane character mm-hmm. that everybody automatically recognizes. Like, like I say Erica Kane, you have a picture in your head. You've got Absolutely. her dark hair. You've got – you know who she is. Right. And so when they were retelling these stories, Hera was that character of, like, the automatic everybody was going to make her the bad guy. And because it worked in the story, it added to the drama. Now, the thing is, is that... Do you not think just Hera was tired of his shit? She was the goddess of marriage. <laughs> I mean, come on. She was the goddess of marriage. And every time he cheated on her, he was literally, like, messing with the thing that she that was That she does. Of. This is my superpower, for God's sake. Exactly. God, I'm I am, mad. You know, I'm the goddess of marriage, and I can't keep his, his dick in his pants. It is... <laughs> Poor Hera. And yeah, poor Hera. And and also like he tricked her into marrying him. And like it was he he kind of like horned in on her power to trick her into marrying him to begin with. And she's How like, did he I I don't know. Okay. He turned into a little bird and she felt bad for the little bird and she picked up the little bird and then he raped her. <laughs> wow. What? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, He's I, very I rapey. have I have a lot of questions. Hold on. <laughs> Did he did he manifest back into God form? Yes. Okay. Sometimes he doesn't. Lita and the Swan. He was still in Swan form when he raped her. Dude, Zeus is trash. It's yeah. There's uh, yeah. We're not even done with the Zeus story, and I think he's five trash cans. No, I did not write down all twelve of the women that he has sex with outside of his marriage. Twelve. Twelve. Um. Hair is mad. Some of them were before their marriage, but yes, Hera was mad. Sure. Which is also why she goes after the demigods that he produces in all of these meetings. Now, makes sense. From a cultural standpoint, often it was the Indo European people coming into whatever area and going, You're local goddess and you're local hero. So here's how this works our god is married to your local goddess, and he's the one that had, that was the father of this local hero. Right. Bam, you are now part of our pantheon. Wow. It was part of the religious, sure. like, cohesion mm-hmm. that was created out of these stories. So it was, there was definitely method to the madness, but yeah, Hera gets a bad rap. 
Um, and I feel bad for her. I, I feel bad for her too. The other thing is, like I was saying, mythology is meant to, it's meant to show you your boundaries. It's meant to say, this is what not to do. Yeah, absolutely. This is, this is how not to go forward. So, um, one of my favorite stories of, of not a divorce, but an infidelity is Aphrodite. Oh, Aphrodite. And she's perfect because it's Valentine's Day. Sure. No, perfect. I, yes. Let's <laughs> talk about her. Um, so it's interesting to me that in most of the other Middle Eastern and like the ancient Sumerian and a lot of the more ancient cultures that the goddess of love was also the goddess of war. Freya, Anat, Inanna, mm-hmm. a lot of these other goddesses were goddesses of love and war. Is it a statement about passion? I think so. Okay. But I think it's also life and death. Oh, uh, fair. It's fertility and, and, mm-hmm. and you know, ashes to ashes kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But also, I think that it is, you, you don't go to love, you don't go to war for something you're indifferent about. Right. However, most of these goddesses are badasses. Like, Freya is the goddess of love, and she's, like, all into pretty jewelry and roses she's also the queen of the valkyries mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. so don't mess with me <laughs> anat there's a goddess anat who who travels from sumeria into being becoming Seth's wife in egypt and she's literally got a belt of the hands of the people that she has slain nice and she is a goddess of love i mean what <laughs> and so it's, the patriarchy really did a number on how <laughs> women got re-represented here in the world well and and ancient greece is where the patriarchy started uh, so we have to go back to greece to smash it exactly <laughs> let's do this so ancient greece is the first place where you find the goddess of love it's separated only from the goddess of love war mm-hmm and you have two war gods, three, really. You have Athena, who is the mind and is very much about strategy. She's mm-hmm. the chess player. She's the general that's determining, okay, the troops go here, go here, or no, we're going to pull back. She's very strategic, but mm-hmm. she's mostly around defense of her city. She's not necessarily going to go attack something. You have um, Apollo, which is probably the closest to our current day military with like the, mm-hmm. the drone strikes and just kind of the, the very swift, very, very scalpel like mm-hmm. um, precision of, of strike kind of, by night. Exactly. Blind. Yeah. And then you have Ares who is the passionate berserker kind of God who's like all dude. And he is the primal part of war. He's the primal part of mm-hmm. war. And you cannot keep as as hard as Hephaestus tried. He could not keep Aphrodite and Ares out of each other's beds. And huh. so Aphrodite was married to Hephaestus because the Athenians wanted to elevate the love of technology and learning and hard work and creativity and craftsmanship. Okay, so that's yeah. So they were like, well, the Aphrodite gets to marry Hephaestus then. Because he's our craftsman. He's mm-hmm. the technology guy. And that's all well and good from like a cultural perspective. Because they're like, we wanna we wanna we want more craftsmen than warriors kind of kind of feel in Athens, specifically Athens versus Sparta. Mm-hmm. But in reality Those kids are never gonna work together. <laughs> and what you have 
I really strongly feel what you have thousands of years later is we've prioritized Hephaestus and Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates. Yeah. And we have forgotten Aries and he comes out in shootings and violence and mindless violence that has no way to get out because it's been separated from love. Huh. And so that's this is why you're a PhD student. <laughs> so that's my like cultural take on it. Um, however, it's really, really funny because Aphrodite and Aries are just they just bone. They're just hot for each other, like all the time. And the sun spies on them. Helios is the all seeing sun, and the sun goes over over and he's like Hephaestus, they're at it again. <laughs> and the sun spies on them over and over and over again. He tells Hephaestus when when they're going. And um, so Hephaestus makes this really finely honed net of bronze and makes it so that it's nearly invisible. It's so fine. It's like delicate chains. And he hangs it above the bed. And he waits until Helios goes, yep, yep, they're at it again. They're doing it again. And he traps them. (gasps) And he traps them under this net. And they're naked and, like, mid-coitus. You're going to believe me or your lying eyes? <laughs> yeah, you can't get out of this. And then Hephaestus invites the entire group <gasps> of gods. What? To come in and, and mock them. And so, literally, it's the whole, like, pantheon is is strolling around this bed, mocking them. And at this point, Hermes is kind of like, I'd trade places with him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This is very interesting. So, basically, you have a... A cuckolded husband who, you know, catches his wife in infidelity and then invites, you know, all the neighbors to come over. like And mock her. It's an unusual, yeah, that's an unusual. But we're not mocking Aries. No. Oh, great. We're just mocking her. (laughs) Thanks, patriarchy. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. What the? No. How did? Well, because she's the one that was married. He wasn't. Oh, so. But still, how long, I mean, how do you get out of that? Does she get vengeance after that on him? That's not the end of the story. What happens? Well, I mean, Aphrodite and, and Ares have four kids together. Holy smokes. <laughs> the first one is pleasure. Um, <laughs> Makes sense. Um, and uh, she doesn't really get vengeance so much as it just doesn't stop her. They start putting lookouts. Watch for Helios. Yeah. Let us know when it's sunny. Hey, um, maybe try fucking under the moon for once, right? And Artemis and Selene, yeah, there's uh, still, there are still eyes at night. Yeah, there are a bunch of nosy gods and goddesses everywhere. around this place. Well, it's soap operas. Yeah, it's it's all entertainment, and they're all it. they're all completely petty. And completely, like, just in their own stuff. Okay, give me another one. This is so much fun. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the one that I ran across when I was studying, and you asked me for this, is about Tereus. So Tereus is from, I don't remember what city he's from. It's not Athens. He's from somewhere further away, like, you know, across the sea. Okay. A stranger. He's a stranger. He's a dark and handsome stranger. And he is married to a woman named Procne. Okay. Procne is Athenian. And Procne goes off to his house, and they're fine. Sure. They do, they, they do okay. They have a kid. You know, he's a toddler. He's <laughs> wandering around. Like, they're, they're doing okay, except for that she's really far from home. 
And she says, if you love me at all, please let me visit my sister. I really want to see my sister. I miss her a lot. Yeah. I, I, I need a girl's weekend. I need a girl's weekend. Yeah. So, but it's not a weekend. It's like a couple of months because he's got to like get in a boat and go all the way to Athens. Sure. And so he gets in a boat, goes all the way to Athens and he asks her dad if he can borrow the sister for Procne to, to visit. And the dad's like, there, she's my only, my only joy. And she's the only thing helping me in my old age. And you have to promise to keep her safe and to bring oh, her back. Okay. And, and I love her so. And Terry's like, of course, of course. I got just, you, dude. This is just my sister-in-law. I just want to make my wife happy. Sure. And so then Philomela walks into the room. And you the should, sister. And you should hear, like, the music change. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh, does it get all bonk, check a bonk, bonk? Is she sexy? She's gorgeous. Oh, and Terrius. And let me see if I can Terrius is find Terrius is, is, is Terrius is he's doomed in more ways than one because oh, of goody. his actions i like it um okay so let me see if i can find when when oh he, he's from okay let me see if i can find when philomela enters okay <laughs> she was dressed magnificently but her loveliness was still more splendid like a naiads or a dryads when we so we are told they roam the deep woods is it if they could be garbed as well, as tastefully, as richly as this girl. That sight was quite enough. The flame of love had taken Tarius, oh, as if one had set after a fire ripe grain, dry leaves, or a haystack. <laughs> I got a haystack. All right, so, so Beyonce walks into the room. Right. Yes. And, yeah. And, yes. Okay. And he is a flame. This is actually uh, Alan Mandelbaum's Metamorphosis of Ovid, by the way, that I'm reading. Um, Mandelbaum's an amazing translator. Ovid is a reteller of myths and tells them all slightly aslant. So don't ever take Ovid's word for anything. Okay. Um, but it's beautiful. And so I like some of the lyricism of it. No, I, I know what um, flame rose in him. <laughs> so he makes all the promises to the dad, takes the sister, gets her on his boat, and oh, no. not not a good move. And proceeds no. to take her to his hunting cabin. Not back home. Not back home. Oh, rape her. No. And then when she tells him that she's awful, that he's awful, like she yells at him, she's like, "You're a horrible piece of crap person." Right. He he cuts her tongue out. So she is muted and trapped in a cabin, in the middle of nowhere in a strange country. And her brother-in-law is just showing up and randomly raping her when he feels like it. Dad's going to be pissed. Dad? Wife. So, <laughs> so the thing is, is that he made it so that she couldn't write letters. She couldn't get any sort of messages out. She couldn't do anything. She had no way of calling for help. She had no tongue. What's wife doing? Is wife worried that you're not back yet? And of you course. Were... Okay. Of course. But she has no information. She has no way of finding anything out. So what Philomela does, all women in Greece are supposed to know how to weave, right? Sure. This is like a thing you do. So she's weaving. She's bored. She's in a cabin. What the fuck is she supposed to do? No tongue. So <laughs> No tongue. Can't sing. So she's weaving. The thing is, is that they're not from Athens, and they use a different language. language. She wove a letter to her sister in a border of a very beautiful piece of cloth. 
and it said, come get me. Yeah. I'm stuck here. I don't have a tongue. He cut out my tongue. <laughs> Call Your husband is a jerk. <laughs> and so then she made it just absolutely gorgeous. And he, he stole it and was like, I'm going to give this to my wife. What a dick. Well, he's about to get it just for dessert. No, I like it. I mean, you have to advance <laughs> the plot, but so, God, patriarchy. So he takes the, the, the cloth and gives it to Prockney, who reads it. And sure. And like... Are you kidding me? And so this is this is where the next piece of the story comes forward. So the thing is, is that I don't know how much you guys know about the rites of Dionysus and the Bacantes and the and the Mayads. And, I've read and the secret this history. So um Dionysus is especially beloved of slaves and um women. Mm-hmm. Because on the nights of his festival, you could let your hair down, so to speak. It was just a chance of freedom. It was like a big, giant festival of freedom. Is this where the slaves in Master's Reverse Rules, was that a Dionysian thing? Probably. Okay. But really, what they're doing is getting really, really drunk and going through the streets and just, Woo! like, and occasionally killing people. Um, I mean, you gotta <laughs> do what you gotta do. Yeah, essentially. So the women dress like all bedraggled and they mess up their hair and they look kind of crazy. And so what Procne does is she waits until the night of the, the festival of Dionysus, gets all crazy, looks sure. like a bacante so that she blends in with the crowd that wow. is potentially lethal, goes and saves her sister. Perfect. Dresses her up like a bacante. Sure. They come back, blend in with the crowd that is potentially lethal, come home. And then she's like, okay, so what do we do next? Uh, yeah, what do we do next? So the thing, the, the kind of standard fair way that women would divorce their husbands, because women were were pretty much kept in, in their little compound, except for during the, the Dionysus rituals and the Thesmophoria and uh, Demeter rituals. Okay. So when they're not kept at home, um, when they are kept at home, their really main purpose is procreation they're supposed to have kids right and then like run the household and stuff but procreation is a big part of it um because there was a lot of gay sex happening and really husbands only had wives in order to have procreate kids. yeah the main way that women in greek mythology real women like within like normal human realm not gods divorce their husbands is by killing their children and feeding them to them what what? <laughs> so Procne killed her son. Wow. And it's dark. This is a dark story. It's very, very dark. And she fed her husband his own son oh, uh, uh, as a stew. Dark. I didn't see that coming. Yeah. I thought the wow. thought the roving bands of drunks were gonna go off him or something. And no, yeah, that's Baki, is... and that's a really fun one um, where mm. the mother kills her own son. Um, but no, she, um, she kills, uh, her own son and feeds him to Tereus. And then Tereus goes, where's my son? Bring me my boy. And she's like, he's in your stomach. And then the two women run away and because they're still dressed as Bacantes, they run away and disappear into the crowds. And... In Ovid's Metamorphosis, they all turn into birds. The two women turn into doves, and Tereus turns into, I think, a vulture. After he vomits a lot? Yeah, basically. I mean, so 
what is the moral of the story there? <laughs> it's very, very, very I strange. Don't kidnap your sister-in-law, rape her, and cut out her I tongue. mean, why do you think there has to be a moral? That sort of... Was there some meaning of doves and vulture? Like, is that considered a happy ending, a not happy ending, an ending at all? Like, what... It's considered an ending. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't think it was meant to be instructional. Okay. It's just, tr- it's just trashy. It's trashy it's divorces. Trashy <laughs> AF. You totally did. You did exactly Dude. what I needed you to do. That's fantastic. Winner. I mean, uh, that is. gets five trash cans. That's bad. That's well, but bad. so do, so do, so does the wife who murders her kid and feeds the kid like. There's nothing not trashy about I that don't... story. <laughs> but, I mean, if that's custom, you'd think you'd come up with something a little different if you wanted to give the message to your husband, you know, dear John, this isn't working I out. I mean, that was, I don't think that was the, the actual, like, legal process in Greece. No, no, it wasn't, the, it wasn't the legal process, but it comes in the stories a lot. Right, right. Um, The main story where that comes up is Medea. Okay. With Jason. Now, Medea's a fantastic character. Are you familiar with? with her talk to us okay so Medea is a young woman whose father is the guardian of the golden fleece ah she is a priestess of the goddess Hecate okay and a known witch in terms of she knows how to use herbs she's she understands magic sure. I so did she's kind of a badass she's totally a badass okay she is Circe's niece oh Okay. She is from the same line of great sorceresses. Perfect. So she's a she's she's definitely up there you in don't terms mess with of her. yeah exactly. So she is very young, and Jason and the Argonauts show up to retrieve the Golden Fleece. Oh, Jason! And she takes one look at this hunka hunka burn in love, and says, "I will help you get the Golden Fleece if you take me with you and marry me." And. So he agrees. Sure. And uh, she does. She she is good on her promise. She teaches him and gives him the tools to get through all three of the tasks that he needs to win the fleece. Either by using sleeping drafts for the people that he's, the she's dragon that he's finding. Yes. Okay. But even more magic than yeah. Hermione. So she's she she also knows what the test is and is like, and here's how you get past it. Okay. And so he takes her with him. They go back to his home. And... They have several children, and they're okay, happy-ish, okay. except for the fact that he has to go off. He's a demigod, and he's got to go off and go on more of these right. adventures. Right. And I mean, it's just in my blood. <laughs> I got I to gotta go on more quests, babe. And so... <laughs> it's kind of my thing grocery store like that's a quest for me i'm like god do i have to do this today so he's got to go on another quest and he finds a prettier dame and marries her instead and is like yeah medea i'm over you no you can't you're married hey no children were cooked and fed to anyone i don't think we're at the end of the story yet hold on so that's the next part oh my god (laughs) she doesn't feed them to him but she does kill all of her children um, that's just that's harsh and then she's she's like deuces and she leaves i mean did this so for us stories of mothers killing their children are it's a transgression oh, it so is it, okay. the pinnacle of a transgression yeah. okay so so that 
that remains the okay oh yeah i didn't know if oh yeah no this is that just that makes her like you you kind of get like an oogie feeling in your stomach and it's awful yeah 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 okay so that was true then all right yeah because i'm like maybe this is just like a thing just what the greeks do like <laughs> no. some high ideal of no like... the whole point of okay. her life is procreation Okay. And she is saying, I right. will not for you. Yeah. Pro tip, please do not kill your children. Cook them. <laughs> put them in a oh, stew. I, I don't think this we necessarily need to tell our listeners that this is a bad thing. I mean, here's, here's a hot take. For, not instructive. For not, no. <laughs> well, no, Medea's like a a um, classic, classic villain. Okay. <laughs> she's she's the classic wicked stepmother. Well, so, so but she Jason kills... Jason's not covering himself in glory in this story either. No, he's kind of a dick. Yeah, but but okay. all of the heroes are kind of dicks. Yeah, right. And and it's <laughs> but the women are the real villains. And these yes. I'm seeing why you're saying patriarchy started here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Medea, I believe she f- borrows her grandfather's carriage. Her grandfather would be Helios, the son that was spying on Aphrodite. I just can't keep um, his nose in at any story. He's everywhere. Well, he's the son. He's the I, son I know. Yeah. <laughs> so she she takes. God, a, you think the Earth revolves around you or something, dude? <laughs> God, exactly. Um, so he, she borrows her dad's carriage and flies off to Athens. So she literally flies. Like she's like such a great witch. She sure. kills her children and then flies away, and then she goes to Athens and hooks up with um, Aegeus. And Aegeus is Theseus's dad. Okay. And Aegeus is mourning the loss of his son and all this other stuff. She hooks up with him. She totally becomes Theseus's, Theseus's stepmom. At this point, Theseus comes home and she's like, "Fuck!" And so first she tries to kill him. At the last moment, Aegeus... Well, when you got an M.O., like, yeah. Um, well, because he was going to basically make it so she didn't have power. Because she's the stepmom uh, of the dying king. Or she's the wife of the dying king, and then here comes the sure. the heir. And so first she tries to kill him, and he, she fails. And then she sends him off on a, a quest to kill the bull, the marathon bull. And he does it, because he's Theseus. And... She essentially is just awful to him pretty much the entire time trying to get rid of him. It's like a classic fairy tale of like the wicked stepmother. Mm -hmm. So at this point is when Theseus decides that he's sick of every every year Athens has to send 14 young people, seven women and seven men to sacrifice to the Minotaur. I volunteer myself as tribute. Is that like Hunger Games? Yeah. Okay. So Theseus is like, this is the last tribute. I'm going, I'm going to kill Minotaur. This is, this is the end. So Medea's kind of like, whew, got rid of him. So Theseus goes off to Crete and, um, you know, slays the Minotaur with the help of lovely Ariadne. Now, I just rewrote a story about Ariadne because I, I love Ariadne so much. She's essentially the mistress of the labyrinth. She is, okay. she is almost an underworld goddess in her own right. And she helps Theseus. And in a lot of the stories, what you'll hear is she was overcome with, she was aflame with love for him and helped him because he was pretty. I really think that it was part of her story to move away from Crete. Like, I think she had to go through this process of slaying the Minotaur and leaving um, for her, for her own growth. Okay. Um, She is, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting because she, it, the Minotaur's her brother. What? Yeah. 
So her mother, her mother, Pasiphae, <laughs> okay, is Circe's sister, also a daughter of Helios. Oh Jesus! And Pasiphae, so when King Minos first won over Crete, he did not um, make proper tributes to the gods. He was supposed to sacrifice a big white bull to Poseidon uh. to thank them, and so in vengeance for not getting proper sacrifices, Poseidon inflamed Pasiphae with lust for the big white bull. So instead of trashy (laughs) instead of the um big white bull mating with the rest of the cows pacifay hired daedalus to build her a cow outfit Uh uh-uh for her to crawl into oh my god and be mated with with the wow wow and that is where the minotaur comes from Wow. I mean, wow. upsetting and also wow. <laughs> okay. I, All right. Si- our, sibling. our comebacks are normally a little snappier. I think you stunned <laughs> us on that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so sibling of Ariadne. Yes, um, so Ariadne and Minotaur are half siblings. Wow. Sure. Um, cause like they are. Because the gods be crazy. <laughs> I told you this is all soap operas. Making people do... <laughs> really weird stuff all right wow <laughs> and like if you're daedalus like yeah okay i can make you a cow suit sure <laughs> like what are you gonna do with this do you ask like I... all right <laughs> it was a wooden contraption as an artist and but... i don't know where you're gonna hang my painting in your home <laughs> i just sell you the painting right um... i don't i don't know where it's gonna go so, um, custom yeah. made. Jesus. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> um, the, the other really fun little tidbit about Pasiphae is that, um, her husband, King Munoz, was notorious for cheating on her. But she's Circe's sister. She is a sorceress. Sure. So she bewitched him that every time he ejaculated with another woman, his penis spewed snakes, scorpions, and spiders. That is fantastic. <laughs> but I mean, you don't get a lot of second dates, I'm guessing. <laughs> no, That's uh yeah. One and done, I think is what <laughs> the word the word on the street's gonna get around about that guy, right? Well he's like, the king, so e- doesn't matter, right? Even one and done. No thanks, man. <laughs> I'm good. I've I've heard like Henry VIII got a reputation in Europe. Like, yeah, mm. if I had two heads, I'd be happy to marry you. But no, you're going to, his his rep's going to get out. So which of these two people is the more notorious cheater? The one who is spewing snakes and scorpions or the one who gives birth to a uh, half bull? That's a really good question. <laughs> this is trash. All right. <laughs> Welcome to Crete. Jeez. <laughs> so Ariadne helps uh, Theseus to get her to slay the minotaur and he actually sacrifices the minotaur to poseidon which makes crete all good with the gods yay yay (laughs) and then theseus sails away with ariadne but they're like having to scoot out of there really fast so they forget to change their their sails they come with the tribute ship with black sails and the father is looking for the sails of the tribute ships to come back. And if there are black sails, that means that Theseus is dead. If there are white sails, that means Theseus is alive. So they're scooting on out of there and they forget to change their sails. So they're flying with the black sails. Oh, no. They stop on the way on the tiny island of Noxos, which is just in the middle of the Aegean. 
you know, they're going from Crete up to Athens. Right. They're having to go through the Cyclades. And um, they stop on Axos. And there are about 15 to 20 different variations of what happens next. <laughs> okay. Most of the variations, are, or at least half of the variations, Ariadne gets killed. Oh. By either Artemis or Dionysus. However, most of the other variations are that Theseus just leaves her there. What? See ya. He abandons her on Naxos. Why? Well, in some of the variants, Artemis has given him forgetfulness and he forgets her. <laughs> in some, Artemis tells him to leave her, leave her there. And in some, he's just a dick. <laughs> ah. Okay. So, all depends on which which version you're reading. She's the the dog That's is our dog snoring. snoring. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so sorry about that. It's, anyway, she's, she's not... superb audio quality. We know from our productions <laughs> here at Hemlock Creatives. So Theseus abandons her on Naxos, and there's a lot of beautiful art out there of Ariadne on the shore, just watching these ships sail away from her and feeling completely devastated and alone and and completely. Oh. On the on the shore of of Naxos. So you're saying so the the best case telling of this is that she's on the shore being left. The yes. worst case is that, that she's been killed. Yes. Okay. Great. Yes. Best case is that she's abandoned. Cool story. I, I'm not done yet. <laughs> <I'm sure>. <laughs> <laughs> so she's abandoned on the shore. She's devastated. But the cool thing about this is that she has to give up her identity as a helper. Her identity as a wife, her identity as a princess, her identity as the sister of the Minotaur, her identity as the mistress of the labyrinth. She has to strip away all of these things and come down into who she really is as a person on this shore. And when she does that, Dionysus himself shows up and marries her. Aww. Well, that's nice. And Dionysus, who's like, everybody party! And like, the wine and everything else. Sure. He's got cross-dressing priests and priests. He's he's like the queer god. Yeah. Like, we have ongoing conversations of if Dionysus could choose their own pronouns, what would they choose? And oh. nobody can agree. Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, Very, very androgynous. Mm-hmm. And um, he is the only Greek god that doesn't cheat on his wife. Wow. Okay. See, I was waiting really? for. I was like, "What's the catch?" When she is married to, but well, okay, that's great. Because I mean, he's the god of behaving badly. He's right. the god of loose. Yeah. And never cheats on her. Strangely nope. ethical. <laughs> Maddeningly inconsistent. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's well. That's kind, a I nice like story that, yeah. that's been on tragedy divorces so far. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Well, and like a a god of permissiveness is, you know, itself uh, yeah, pretty uh, upstanding, I guess, in, yeah. in personal conduct. He's not a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> so I love reading Sappho poems because often they're just snippets. They're all, they're all fragments. We don't have many of her poems in, in their, um, in their entirety. And so it's pretty interesting to read the ones that she has. She was a priestess of Aphrodite on the Isle of Lesbos. She was probably pretty high up in the social order. 
and she was in charge of teaching young women proper social graces. Ah. And so much of the, the interesting thing about Sappho's poetry is that it's the first poem poet to express interiority instead of just showing like and then this happened and then ha- that happened. Huh. She actually has her own voice and her own emotions in the inflection, which is interesting, completely new. Huh. Um, it, well, no wonder she pissed everybody off and didn't record a writing. Well, and they did record a lot of her writing. She was famously uh, brought in to write songs for weddings. Oh, really? Quite often. Um, I'm sorry, so she was the original wedding singer? Yes. <laughs> nice. Yes, she was. I really, really love Fragment 74 so much. And it is. I hear that Andromeda, that hayseed, oh, no. in her hayseed finery, has put a torch to your heart. And she, without even the art of lifting her skirt over her ankles. Whoa. That's a diss. (laughs) Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Battle rap there. Um, It is a battle rap. Yeah, she was a power, power, power poet. (laughs) That's fantastic. Um, this is a good comeback. Talk to us. <laughs> Somebody gets engaged. This is a good one. Yes, it's pretty, but come, dear, need you pride yourself that much on a ring? Aww. Yowza. Scandalous. <laughs> good writing is timeless. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Go to back to BC and find amazing disses and trash. Oh, this is my favorite one. This is my absolute do it, do favorite it. one. If you're squeamish, don't prod the beach rubble. The beach rubble. Oh. <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just Sappho, I love it. Yeah, Sappho's got some snappy stuff. So she was the original wedding singer, the wedding writer. Yes. Okay, you got you got a few more trashy stories for us, though. I do, I do. Um, it's hard because so many of the trashy stories are also very sad. But you asked me earlier what my favorite. What is your favorite is right now? Right now, I, be- I I would say, and probably for the last five years, the Persephone myth has been one of my absolute favorites. So remind us all of Persephone. So Demeter is Persephone's mom, Mm -hmm. and Demeter is the goddess of the harvest and of the bounty and of the the things that come out of the earth that feed human human beings. And so she's she's this goddess of the of the grain. And she's also essentially the archetypal mother. And you can't have a mother figure without a child. Sure. Like there's a kind of necessary piece Well, there. until you eat them. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so Persephone is the, the necessary part of Demeter that is her daughter. Persephone, is, as Demeter's daughter, is the, the goddess of new shoots in springtime. She's the little crocus noses that you're seeing right now, or the Aww. little daffodils mm-hmm. that are coming up. She's the buds on the new on the trees. Like, this is, that's Persephone energy. She was beautiful. 
the only the only goddess she was not more beautiful than was was Aphrodite herself. Okay. She was gorgeous. That's pretty pretty high claim. And most of the single gods put in a bid for for her love, like to to marry her. Sure. Um, Apollo, Hermes, Hephaestus, like they were all like, ooh, yeah, I want me some of that. She was very young. Did she get any cow suits as presents? And the... she did not get any cow suits. <laughs> um, there's also, depending on what telling is, is her paternity is of question. Some say Poseidon, some say Zeus, some say it's you know Parthenogenesis and Demeter just popped her out without any god at all. Okay, like it just kind of there's a lot of different say like tales, but mostly Zeus is her dad. Okay, but she uh, is. Picking flowers with the big-breasted nereids, like literally that's how they're described in the Homeric Hems, is deep-breasted nereids. They're essentially these big boobed nymphs from the ocean. Fantastic. And um, <laughs> Definitely who you want to hang out with. Well, and I think that the reason why that's an important detail is because it shows how old she is. Mm-hmm. She's a teenager. She's hanging out with teenagers. You know, it, she's not she's not a child anymore. Right. She's not. This is not pedophilia. This is this is an old enough young woman sure. who, you know, is probably of age. Um, because you don't really get an idea of that from a Homeric hymn. So she's she's picking flowers and she finds a narcissus on the ground and Gaia, Gaia herself, bewitches this narcissus. She pulls the narcissus from the ground, and as she pulls, it opens up this giant chasm in the ground. Why does Gaia do that? To set things into motion. Gaia is always one for creation, and if creation is resisting creation, Gaia will make it happen. Oh. Gaia will force your hand. That's fantastic. So um, you could make that claim about climate change that Gaia is saying, here's what you got to do. Right. Um, because it's the it's the universe coming to give you the signal over and over and over again until it's a brick wall in your face and you can't avoid the signal anymore. It's longer. the proverbial Mack truck moment. Got it. So Got it. so Persephone wanted to live in her and, and at this point in her story she's only called girl or maiden. Her name is Corey. Corey literally <laughs> just means girl. Okay. <laughs> she's <laughs> she's just a chick at this point. She doesn't even have a name because Persephone means she who swallows the light. And she doesn't get that until she becomes queen of the underworld. Ah. So she plucks the the narcissus, opens this chasm, and uprides Hades uh, with his Hades. with his black horses and his chariot. Sure. And he comes up and snatches her. Now, in all of the retellings, if you look at the Greek, the ancient Greek word for what Hades did to Persephone, it is always taken, or kidnapped, or snatches mm-hmm. it is not raped although this story is famously known as the rape of persephone correct? exactly yeah huh. but i think that that's so i think that the retelling of it as a rape is perpetuating rape culture because well it's it's okay in so many of these stories like apollo right. rapes daphne and like there's so many rape stories in these stories that it's it's like that same perpetuation and one of the things that i really love about the fact that when you look at the ancient greek itself is that Hades just took her. And in a lot of the context, the word that that was used in social context among people, it would have meant um, eloping. Oh. 
it could have meant that she just spent the night at his house and was therefore sullied and then they had to get married. Like, socially speaking, there could have been a hell of a lot of consent. It's the baby I'm cold outside of (laughs) Greek mythology. (laughs) (laughs) So that so so we've stripped the consent out of Mm -hmm. it where there is consent in the inherent in the story, which I find really telling about us. Mm -hmm. I think how we tell the story is very different from what the story is actually saying. Takes her to the underworld. And now this is actually the point at which my brain started kicking in about Persephone because she lives there for six months. She has to live there for six months because how long does it take for everybody to start starving when Demeter says, nope, no food for nobody until you find my daughter. Right. So literally the gods don't do anything until they're not getting their um, offerings in their temples. Oh. So it has to be a serious amount of time Mm -hmm. that Persephone is in the underworld and her mom's going, where is she? And her mom, like, dresses up as an old woman. And there's, like, this whole other part of this story about the mother having to mourn the death of the daughter at her marriage. Because the daughter is no longer her little girl. Oh. She's now a wife and a woman in her own right. And right. she has to let her go in Maybe that you way. should give her a name now. God. <laughs> and so, but it's a, um, it's a right of, of kind of going from being a mother into being a crone. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a maturation story sure. for Demeter. It's also a maturation story for Persephone. So it's interesting from like that women's perspective. And all of the, the rights at Alois- Aloysius are about life and death and and being okay with the cycle of death but it's also about being okay with the cycle of your own life and aging interesting so demeter's doing her thing she starves everybody zeus is like uh dude can i can i get some yeah some offerings and she's like find my daughter you know who saw hades took uh persephone let me guess helios yes fuck that guy is so nosy (laughs) (laughs) why didn't they just start with Helios, you see everything. Yeah, he's the Encyclopedia Brown of Greek mythology. Like, like months, go ask him I know, first. Months later, they're like, "Oh, we should totally talk to Helios." <laughs> Brain fart. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, um, they talk to Helios. Helios says, "Yeah, saw Hades take her." Sure, Gaia opened a hole like in the six world. Months ago, I've been yeah. waiting for somebody to ask me about this for a long time. Right. Exactly. God. So, oh, he's a hard guy to catch. You gotta like drive up to the sun. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's hot sure it's not yeah. like he keeps regular hours <laughs> i'm kidding sorry just, just bad fun day <laughs> so um so they find out where he is and he sends zeus in some stories zeus himself goes down in some stories he sends hermes it doesn't really matter he sends for persephone so persephone has been in the underworld with hades for six months sister knows not to eat anything she knows the rules that if she eats anything, the fates have declared she has mm-hmm. to stay in the underworld. She has been starving herself for six months. Girl's hungry. At the very, very end of her tenure there, the story, if you listen to like, you know, the, 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 the going tale that is in what you read in high school, the story is that Hades tricks her into eating six pomegranate seeds. Mm. He didn't trick her for the last six months, and yet he tricks her right before she leaves. And now, sure. And that's an anorexic snack. I'm sorry. (laughs) 
But if I have starved myself for six, six months, months, I'm not breaking down for a pomegranate seed. For Exactly. Give me some queso. <laughs> give me a Twinkie. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, give me something good. <laughs> right. Pomegranate seed. And just six of them. Mm-mm. So for me, the rereading of this story, I was like, she chose that. She made that decision. There was no tricking. She chose exactly what she was going to eat huh. to exactly make what she wanted. She chose what she wanted. She she defined her terms. Okay, so talk to me. Her terms were six pomegranate seeds. So she has to spend six months of the year in the underworld and six months of the year above ground. Six months is as long as I can go without eating. So. No, she can eat now. In the underworld. In the underworld because oh, okay. she becomes the goddess of the underworld. She marries Hades. She then becomes the goddess of death. She is the goddess of the underworld. She is the queen. So she chooses to, to do that. Become a queen instead of just a chick of new shoots. I mean, <laughs> it's not the worst trade off. So the so the goddess of death is the daughter of the goddess of motherhood. Yes. Fascinating. That is, that's got some nice circularity to it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, and the other thing is there's a there's a whole Tumblr thing uh, riff about, like, Hades. He, Hades also doesn't cheat. He is also got a steady job, and mm-hmm. he's got a dog that he loves. And, and it's like, who who's going to say he's rich? Yeah. Like, who's going to say no to that? Like, Sirius is his dog, right? No. Uh, Cerebus. Cerebus. I was so close. So close. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Like, who's going to say no to that? He's, no, he's... you're Persephone now. Yeah. You'd be queen. Be queen. Yeah. Right. Done. So she goes back up home, and as she walks, flowers bloom across the, the ground, and she goes and finds her mother, and her mother is beautiful is... again. And then, because it is no longer eternal summer, because she is now the bringer of the seasons, when she's in the underworld, it's winter. Mm-hmm. And when she's above world, it's spring, spring and summer. summer. Now... The humans have to learn how to plan for that and to, you know, plant during the spring and harvest in the fall and then stock away for the winter so they can survive Mm -hmm. while Persephone is below ground. And so the very next thing that happens after she gets above ground is she and Demeter go teach Triptolemus how to perform agriculture. Oh, wow. And they actually teach everybody how to how to how to do that. How to plant reap sow. The interesting thing about the Persephone myth is that no other story about her after that first one shows her above ground with her mother. Really? It is always down in in the underworld. All of her epithets are in the underworld. All of her activities that where she shows up again is on her throne. Huh. So I don't know how often she visits mom. (laughs) Probably not very often. Well, mom couldn't even give her a name. Yeah, girl. I mean, that was true in Bird Box, too, though, so... Oh, I can't. <laughs> I love it that our neighbor has picked now. Uh, yes, I, blowing. I can absolutely hear the yard work happening. Sorry, this is the Perils of Saturday recording, um, which we're learning about. Yeah. So we still haven't figured out our, our pithy catchphrase to close things out. Um, oh, no. Well, let's... We're walking through a lot of them. Yeah. You know, like oh, keep, keep it trashy. We can. I'm a fan of keep it trashy, but. Go forth, be trashy. Stay single is what <laughs> I say, because that's about after doing this episode. Ha ha. Okay, great. 
Hey, Alicia, thank you so much for coming. Yeah, on. thank you so much. You are a this wealth has been really fun. of mythological knowledge. This was fascinating. And who knew, well, you did, but who knew how trashy our predecessors were? Just trash piles. Since the beginning of time. Yeah. I think it just tells you what it means to be human. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. Love and, love and war. Love and war. Divorce. Walk in garbage. Breakups. Yeah, Zeus gets five trash cans. Foches. Terius. Terius. Yeah. Terius, yeah. Well, he's, a, he's a big fiver. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm neither a fan of Theseus or Jason, but, you know. No, I think Dionysus wins the day, which is the... And, and Dionysus Hades. coming in hot. Yeah. And Hades. And, and Hades. Dog lover. The two guys with the worst reputations, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. Like, the irony. The irony of the Greeks. That's really... I mean, that's... I, thank you. Today has been remarkably informative. I remembered so much about my Edith Hamilton mythology that I hadn't been reminded of before. That was fascinating. Thank you so much for coming. Oh, it's been super fun. That was awesome. We've lost control of the process. We've lost control of the the, the process. Hey, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, Go love your... Jesus Christ. Enjoy your yard work. Yeah. (laughs) Enjoy your Saturday yard work. Cheers, y'all. Cheers. Jesus Christ. What a mess. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at CarbonMade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram and definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at TrashyDivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at TrashyDivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at Patreon.com slash TrashyDivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear want to advertise with us reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information and last but not least come play with us on social media i keep most of our trashy divorces instagram hopping stacy and i share it up over on facebook including our trashy divorces podcast discussion group come join us over there and thanks again everybody for listening keep it trashy y'all